Welcome to the next thing smoking with Brian Rogers and friends. At age 44, Brian Rogers, diagnosed with six life-threatening diseases, decided to heal himself with plant-based barbecue and foods. In six months, he lost 120 pounds and reversed all diseases with plant-based barbecue. Now he wants to share how he did it with you and introduce you to world-class experts that'll explain how it worked, how to lose weight, how to heal yourself, and how to make the most amazing plant-based barbecue and more. You're listening to the next thing smoking with Brian Rogers. Rogers and friends. And now, here's your host, Brian Rogers. Hey, everybody, welcome back. It's Brian Rogers, and I hope you're enjoying the journey so far. We're getting there, we're getting through the story, and now we're going to talk about probably the favorite part of this podcast, and that I get to talk about my wife, who at the time was my girlfriend, but we're going to talk about my college years and how they brought me love and even more cooking experience and actually how I learned to cook, to really cook. So after a second place finish in the largest baseball tournament for 18-year-olds in the world in 1992, it was time to go to college. And instead of taking my time to get in the swing of things, which really isn't my style at all, college literally kicked off with some very significant events in my life that would literally change the course of my life and my career. When I showed up on the very first day of college, sporting my full baseball scholarship, I was greeted at, re- at the registration desk that was set up especially for athletes. Yeah, we had some perks by this incredibly gorgeous girl with a beautiful, huge smile. She was tan, dark brown hair, and she was a cheerleader. She told me that she was there to help me get me registered and answer any questions. And she would even take me on a tour of the dorms if I wanted. I mean, wow, just wow. I'm 18 years old. I have this amazing cheerleader wanting to take me on a tour. Did I just die and go to heaven? I mean, I thought I had at the time. Now, although my entire family and all my friends told me not to jump into the dating scene too quickly at college because there's a lot of fish in the sea, This girl had something special about her. I immediately asked her out, whatever that meant back then, which was basically, hey, you want to order some pizza and breadsticks from Pizza Hut? Because Pizza Hut was the only restaurant really in the town where our college was. And maybe play some video games or listen to some music. To my amazement, she immediately said yes. I was shocked she wanted to date a fat, overweight baseball player one that a lot of schools passed on, as you learned earlier, not because of my ability, but because of my body. But she didn't look at my body. She saw me, and the rest is history. Now, I'll note that even at my highest weight of close to 300 pounds, my wife, who was that same cheerleader that I just told you about, has never uttered the words fat, overweight, or anything like that to me or anybody else that I'm aware of ever. Over the course of the next four years of dating and the next 20 plus years of my life leading up to today, that cheerleader cheerleader and I have been attached to the hip. I mean, we're truly soulmates. Yes, the very first day of college, a baseball player and a cheerleader cliche relationship had just started. And unlike most of those types of relationships, it's lasted over 27 years and it's even more amazing today than it, than it was back then. As we dated in college, 
while a lot of our friends stayed on campus to party and Lord knows what else, we really enjoyed just being with each other. I mean, sure, we had lots of friends and liked hanging out with them during the week for like baseball and cheerleading, things like that. But we mostly enjoyed the company of each other. And after dating for a while, we began to make some weekend trips to her home in Inman, Kansas, which is a town of about 897 people. Now, I'm a city boy from Kansas City, grew up in, you know, in urban city, lower middle class in a very populated city. It was a shock to visit such a small town, but I loved it. And I still do love every minute of it. And I love learning about her country roots. Now, Jen brought me what I call multi-generational love and a lot of new recipes. I learned new depths of relationships and definitely new depths of relationships with food. But something very important happened to me after I met Jen and on these weekend trips that we would take to Edmond, Kansas. I got to meet and spend time with her family, her parents, her grandparents, and her extended family. And although Jen was adopted as an infant, you would never know it by the relationship she had with both her parents, grandparents, and her entire extended family. In fact, I forgot most of the time, and I still forget today, about that fact in her life. And most people would never know that she was adopted, nor does she really speak of it very often. And I believe she even sometimes forget that she forgets that she was adopted. I see this as just a testament to how well her parents raised her, nurtured her, loved her, and helped shape her into the incredible woman she is today. In addition to her great relationship with her parents, Jen had an amazingly close relationship with their grandparents on both sides of her family. We spent a crazy amount of time with her grandparents on her mom's side, for sure. Unfortunately, I never had the chance to meet her grandfather on her dad's side, and I only met her grandmother on her dad's side a few times, which was late in her life in a nursing home when she was very sick. All of my grandparents are gone now, and I love them all so much, but the relationship Jen had with her grandparents, and particularly with her grandma, was nothing short of amazing to me. They were deeply connected on a physical, spiritual, and emotional level, unlike any relationship I had ever seen up to that point in my life. One thing that was quite obvious right off the bat for me was the importance of family and food, just like I was used to growing up. However, the food in her family was quite different than what I was used to, and her family can flat out cook. I mean, they are really, really, really good cooks. Now, these small town visits were, were really food and meal etiquette lessons for me at this time of my life. Our regular weekend trip to Inman's usually started with us showing up at, at our house to the incredible smells. There's that word again, smell of a home-cooked meal. After getting off work, her mom would bust hump to get to the store, then home to prepare an amazing meal and get it on the table before Jen's dad got in from doing his chores on the farm and before we arrived. I can still vividly picture us pulling up in her gravel driveway to her country home. And as we get closer, we heard the dogs bark and saw the, all the lights in the house turned on in anticipation of our arrival. Jen was the only child her parents and grand, uh, only grandchild that her grandparents ever had, which made her really special to them. And as we approached the door, the dogs went absolutely crazy, just barking their heads off. And as the door opened, oh my goodness, there's that incredible smell. 
We were quickly greeted with hugs and love, even the first time that I met them. I mean, this was never the normal course of business on my side of the family. Our family members love each other dearly, but we don't hug strangers. I mean, especially strangers infiltrating on those we love. As we settled in and got ready to sit down for dinner, Jen's Jen's mom would always ask if Jen wanted to go get her grandparents. I had no idea what that even meant the first time I heard it. I came to find out that Jen's parents and grandparents lived on the same farm, but about two acres away from each other. So we would jump in the car and we went to pick up her grandparents. When we arrived at her grandparents' home, her grandma was always in the same spot, right in the kitchen, frantically whipping up at least two dishes or maybe more to add to the incredible feast Jen's mom had already prepared for us. And her grandpa was always sitting in the living room after a long day on the farm, just waiting for someone to tell him where to go to eat. He knew, although I had no idea at the time, that eat really, really meant eat. And I mean good eating. We would gather them up, pack the dishes that her grandma had prepared, and off we went down the dirt, back down the dirt road to Jen's parents' house. As we arrived, the crazy dogs met us again, and we went into the house Jen's mom, Jen, and grandma started pulling food out of the ovens, out of the refrigerators, out of cabinets. It was crazy. I'd never seen anything like that. They put them all on the table that was lit with candles and already set up for what I thought was like a formal dinner. But come to find out, this was just normal. I wasn't used to all this. In Kansas City and in my family, we were much, much less formal most of the time. As we sat down at the table, I looked at the food in amazement. Before I was able to awkwardly dig in like most 18-year-old boys would, Jen grabbed my hand on the left side. Jen's grandma, who I'd just met 20 minutes earlier, she grabbed my hand on the right side, and everyone bowed heads and said a beautiful blessing, which I hadn't really done, well, ever, I think. We all dug in, and I ate until my stomach hurt, and it was amazing. We would do all kinds of fun things the rest of the weekend and also pitch in with the farm chores, which let me tell you, were not easy. We were well nourished at college. On Sunday, after these weekend trips, we would, uh, during these weekend trips, we would go to church first thing in the morning and then we would do this huge sit down meal all over again. Sunday night, Jen's mom would literally pack up all the leftovers from the weekend in like Tupperware dishes and send them back with us to school. Now, back at school, we split up the leftovers, loaded them on our little dorm refrigerators, and all week, we were the best-fed college students, maybe in the country. We did that at least every other weekend. It was pretty much the same routine over and over again. I loved, and I still love, every minute of that. As this repeated, and I grew closer to Jen and her family, I began to take a real interest in helping with the cooking and trying to figure out how all this amazing food was made. Kind of like back in the baseball days when I was trying to, I enjoyed the shopping and preparing the meals. This was happening all over again, but in a little bit different way. And even though I knew barbecue and cooking fairly well from my time growing up, I never cooked anything like they were cooking. It was good old-fashioned country cooking, things like meatloaf and chicken fried steak and pot roast, fried chicken, varenica, if you know what that is. 
mashed potatoes and gravy, green bean soup, and desserts like I had never seen before in my life. I started helping the girls, as we called them, Jen, Jen's mom and grandma, who we called the girls. I started helping them prepare meals and help with the planning and the shopping and the prepping and the cooking and timing a meal so every dish would would always be served at the right time and at the exact right temperature. I was totally fascinated and absolutely started to love to cook. Well, an opportunity opened up for me to introduce barbecue to them, to the girls and to Jen's family. As time went by and we were deciding what meals to prepare, the topic of barbecue came up and my eyes lit up like a Christmas tree. Now, I could try to return the favor that, you know, and actually be in charge of a meal for once instead of the other way around. I'll never forget the time I made about 10 slabs of ribs and Jen's grandpa ate at least four of them by himself. They had never really had real barbecue smoked Kansas City style before, just like I had never really had the amazing country cooking that I was experiencing with them either. As we got together over the years for meals, which still happens pretty often to this day, I began to do more and more of the meal preparation Jen and her mom still do a lot of the cooking today as well. Her grandma still cooked right up until she passed away. They were always right in there cooking with me. Now back to our college days for a minute and on a more somber note, after junior college where Jen and I met and fell in love, one of the hardest things we ever had to do in our relationship was go off to different colleges in completely different states all the way across the country from each other. Jen's goal at the time, and from the time she was just a very young girl, was to be a nurse. So she was off to nursing school in Wichita, Kansas. My goal from the time I was a very young boy, as you heard earlier in some earlier episodes, was to become a professional baseball player. So I was off to Miami, Florida after an incredible stint in junior college where I was a two-time collegiate All-American, as I mentioned earlier. We were deeply in love and had been dating for over two years. So parting ways was very, very upsetting for both of us. But we vowed to make a, make a long-distance relationship work, and we kept that promise to each other. We were back together soon after college, but the time I spent in Miami became very significant, as you heard a little bit about earlier. So a lot of opportunities for advancements in barbecue arose, and I grabbed them. So Fast forward to after my college years, during which I met my soulmate and future wife, Jen. I'll never forget it. I was trucking along with an incredible programming career after college and had started to dabble in several small barbecue festivals and competitions as my side hustle. And interestingly, the side hustle cost me more money than it ever made me back then, which is true of most people that are, that are into competition-style barbecue. And... What's more important than the competition, you know, and is just the camaraderie and just being together. It's not really about the money. But when some of our good friends all got together and bought me my first professional smoker, I'd had all kinds of diff- different smokers, but not really a really good professional smoker. A bunch of friends got together because they love my food so much, bought me up my first professional smoker, and I was off to the races. Since I was a speed reader, I started reading every book I could get my hands on about barbecue. 
and I was literally devouring every barbecue cookbook I could find. This knowledge, coupled with my life experiences, specifically growing up with barbecue in Kansas City and the country cooking I had learned from Jen and her family that we heard about a little bit ago, it helped me develop an incredible barbecue pedigree that's right up there with any pitmaster. And although I'd been making barbecue sauce, eating barbecue my whole life, and smoking up barbecue every chance I got along the way, it was now the perfect storm of experience and new knowledge that really took me to the next level. I sold the business that I had built with my programming skills, and barbecue became my focus for the rest of my life. Although I started many other businesses and sold another big one along the way, barbecue was always part of me. It was a big part of my life from that point forward. I was involved in food at every party and usually the one cooking barbecue for everyone. You can bet that I was the one packing up the leftovers and extra sauce for everyone when they left. Just like I remembered as a kid at the ballpark when we would get the huge takeout barbecue meals from my favorite place, Marty's Barbecue. Well, before pretty much anyone else in the barbecue world started it, I started writing about barbecue and food back in the mid-90s online when the internet was first coming really online commercially. To my knowledge, I was the first ever barbecue food blogger online and definitely one of the early online food writers in general. Basically, I would smoke up a bunch of barbecue, then I would write about it and send the link to my family and friends who were online. Now, I want to talk to you a little bit about the humble beginnings of my barbecue champion pedigree because it was very soon after, you know, I really got into competitive barbecue that a friend asked me to join a barbecue team that he was forming to enter this barbecue competition in Kansas City. Now, the competition was called the Corporate Cup, and it was actually part of a larger competition that included mostly sporting events, and it was in Kansas City. My friend was the general manager of a restaurant group that I'd spent a short time working with after college before starting my programming career. But the rules of Corporate Cup allow you to only include employees on your own team, like employees of your company and your corporation. However, there's a long-running joke at Corporate Cup, like when the Corporate Cup time comes around in Kansas City, that people mysteriously get hired and then fired after Corporate Cup is over. I mean, it's kind of like someone signing a one-day professional sports contract and then retiring with that team the next day, right? Well, needless to say, everybody is looking for ringers, and one of the fiercest events in Corporate Cup at the time was the barbecue competition. There were and still are a lot of ringers in Kansas City barbecue and even more in barbecue across the country in general, both well-known and lesser known. In the barbecue scene, everybody knows who's good. I would put my style of Kansas City barbecue up against anyone, anywhere, anytime, and I will in the future. But then again, so would all the professional and amateur pitmasters and barbecue influencers around the country. But anyways, my buddy who had eaten my barbecue on many occasions and enjoyed a Christmas brisket from me occasionally, invited me to lead the barbecue team for his restaurant group for Corporate Cup. Now, keep in mind that his team was a well-known restaurant group in Kansas City who had a few barbecue dishes on their menu already. His other team members were all professional chefs, some with some serious chops, yet I was going to lead this team and be the head pitmaster. I was exhilarated, scared, and motivated all at once. 
The month leading up to this event, I pulled out all of my recipes that I've been developing basically my whole life, along with all the knowledge and practice gained along the way. My whole life had prepared me for this moment. You should know that any top five finishes in any major event in Corporate Cup is huge for a company and overall standings. Our goal was just to finish maybe a top five finish. And that was really kind of unrealistic. Not only did we finish in the top five, we blew the competition away. We won hands down taking first place in three of five categories and a third and fourth in the other two out of 65 teams. Ribs for fourth place, pork, third place, brisket, first place, chicken, first place, and sauce, first place. Although the team I was on didn't go on to win the corporate cup overall, we had won one of the most fierce and competitive events of the competition. Heads turned that day and reputations were forged in stone. In particular, my reputation in the Kansas City barbecue community, community, which is large and wide reaching now with a very well-known national reputation. So we're going to go ahead and end this episode because I want to give you some background of where I got my barbecue history from and where I went along the way, how I actually learned to do competitive barbecue. And on the next episode, it's going to be an amazing episode because we're going to talk about the day that plant-based barbecue was actually invented. Yes, plant-based barbecue was actually invented with a dish in Kansas City back in 1999, as far as I can tell. So we're going to talk about the day plant-based barbecue was invented on the next episode. Again, guys, this is Brian Rogers. I hope you're enjoying this. We're getting there. I'm laying the groundwork for you so you can understand how my background played into what led up to me losing 120 pounds, inventing plant-based barbecue, and reversing six life-threatening diseases in just six months. Guys, this is going to be a journey. we got a little ways to go. I hope you're enjoying this. Please give me a review of this podcast if you're enjoying it. I would really appreciate it. We'll see you on the next episode, y'all. Thank you for listening to the next thing smoking with brian rogers and friends we hope you've learned something significant today we will try to bring you consequential and fun listening every show please remember to subscribe to this podcast and our newsletter on brianrogers.com plant-based barbecue and more is the way to healthy eating and lifestyle learn ways to implement these principles and skills from the expert who's been through it all brian rogers thank you for listening signing off from colorado